Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading for today proposes a very serious challenge for people in our culture. We're hearing a sermon given by St. Peter himself in the Acts of the Apostles. Here's what the chief of the apostles says, listen. He, Christ, is the stone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. Okay, pretty bracing stuff. Now, I'll pass over those rather harsh words of judgment, probably hard enough for people today to take. I mean, when he says, um, you know, he's the stone rejected by, by you, the builders. I mean, he's just naming their pain right off the bat. But let me go directly to what people today would probably find most objectionable in this little passage, namely the exclusivism. It's pretty unavoidable, right? There's no salvation through anyone else. Nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. So is he saying Jesus is the only way to salvation? There's no other name by which we can be saved. So no non-Christian, I'm gathering from this, can possibly be saved. No Jew, no Hindu, no Buddhist, no Muslim, no agnostic, no atheist. It seems from this, I mean, no one gets to heaven. No one is definitively saved except for those who believe in Jesus. Well, I think you see my point, how this flies pretty directly in the face of the inclusiveness and non-judgmentalism that is taken for granted today. I mean, I've argued that, if anything, they're the two supreme values in our society. That's a cool thing, by the way, is to look at any society in terms of, of what are the non-negotiables, like what are the fundamental values in a given society? And I think it's probably not too far from the truth to say that for our culture, our society, inclusiveness and non-judgmentalism are those values. So doesn't Peter's speech here seem to play into the very worst of our religious instincts? I mean, us against them. I'm right, you're wrong. Doesn't it seem, especially for those of us on the far side of the September 11th events, uh, just to be a recipe for religious violence? I mean, how could anyone be so judgmental and negative toward other religions today? So we got a problem here, I think, in trying to read this very basic and very early sermon of St. Peter himself. Well, here's the first move I want to make in trying to, to understand this. The first move I want to make is, in a way, to make no move at all. That is to say, I would like you 
to stay with how uncomfortable this is. I'd like you to stay for a time anyway with how how awkward this makes you feel. Because in a way, that's the point. As I've said a hundred times before, Jesus is not one religious figure among many. Not one more in a long line of religious philosophers and mystics and seers. Rather, he is the incarnate Son of God. The one who speaks and acts in the very person of God. And therefore, there is a qualitative difference between Jesus and any other religious founder, any other philosopher. Now, if this makes Christianity, quote-unquote, better than other religions, well, so be it. I mean, if that's how people read it today, so be it. Because that is the claim of Christianity. And therefore, it's true. There's no other name by which we are saved. What does that mean? It means, I think, that the fullness of salvation that God wants to offer to his people is available through him alone. Let me just say that again. I think it's the heart of the matter. It means that the fullness of salvation that God wants to offer to his people is available through Christ alone. See, it's just a corollary of what I just argued, because if that weren't true, then he would indeed be one teacher among many, right? You know, if there there are many other paths to salvation, well, then he's just one among many. You follow the Buddha, someone else follows the Sufi mystics, I follow Jesus, and we all climb up the same holy mountain. Well, that's contemporary um, relativism, but everybody, it's just not biblical. It's just not Christianity. There is something absolutely decisive at stake when it comes to Jesus. And he does indeed compel a decision. I think that's just the gospel. I don't know any way around it. The New Testament is simply incompatible with a wishy-washy relativism or an anything-goes religious indifferentism. No, Salvation, as God fully intends it, is on offer in Jesus and in him alone. Okay, I realize that as I'm saying these words, I'm, I'm echoing what St. Peter said. I'm, I'm probably raising hackles and turning people off, and people are, are turning off their radios or running away. But all right, if you're still with me, Does all this mean that a Christian triumphalism has the last word? That it is indeed an us-against-them scenario. That Christians are going to heaven, everyone else is destined for hell. Well, no, is the answer to that. I think here's where we have to bring um, some nuance to this claim. See, I think it's very important not to think of these matters in terms of a simple either-or. 
or a simple right and wrong. Rather, could I urge you to think of them in terms of, and I've been kind of hinting at this, in terms of fullness and participation. Fullness and participation. The fullness of what God wants his people to have, and, and I'd put it this way in, in our Christian terms, the sharing in his own Trinitarian life, right? That we we, we enter into the relationship between the Father and the Son. We, we live a properly spiritual life, that's to say, in the Holy Spirit. Well, that fullness, everybody, is on offer in Christianity alone. Now, why? Because Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one who's ventured forth from within the Trinitarian life to give us a share in it. That's on offer in Christianity alone, that fullness. But listen now, it does not mean that elements, dimensions, features of that fullness are not on offer in other religions and other philosophies. I'm going to say that again, because this is the hinge in some ways. To say that the fullness of salvation is on offer in Jesus is not to say that there aren't elements or dimensions, features of that fullness that are on offer in other religions and philosophies. Now, this is why Vatican II speaks of the rays of light that are available in all the great religions. It's not simply that, oh, now we got it right, the rest of you are all wrong. No, no, there are are elements, uh, dimensions of truth, rays of light. It's why, furthermore, Vatican II sings the praises of elements of truth in Judaism, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in Islam. It's why Vatican II even goes so far as to say that someone who's an unbeliever, but who is following his conscience and goodwill, can be saved. Now, John Henry Newman can help us, I think, understand this last point, because he speaks of the conscience as the aboriginal vicar of Christ in the soul. Wonderful expression, isn't it? That the, the, the basic, the most original representative vicar of Christ in the soul is the conscience. And so even an unbeliever of goodwill who's following his conscience in all sincerity can be saved. Now, mind you, please, I'm not saying will be necessarily. No, no, but can be because of this participation. So can you see how all this functions logically? Whatever elements of truth and salvation there are in other religions and philosophies, even in the depth of one's conscience, are indeed participations in the fullness of truth found in Christ Jesus. And therefore, listen everybody, therefore, St. Peter's declaration remains valid. There's no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven by which we are to be saved. True. Absolutely right. But it's not true in a violent or exclusivist sense. Now, I know how difficult it is to get the accents right in regard to this question. We must affirm Christian distinctiveness and completeness without falling into imperialism or violence. 
And on the other hand, we must affirm the truth in other religions without falling into relativism or indifferentism. And see, that's a tricky little maneuver, right? To get that balance right is tricky. The easy options are always on the table, and many take them. If you doubt me, go on internet com boxes sometime. The easy options are always on the table, and many take them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, no, Jesus Christ is the only way, and everybody else is going to hell, or... Oh, no, all religions are basically the same. (laughs) I'll grant you, those are kind of logically easier positions to move into. But they don't respect this this complexity that the great Catholic tradition holds to. So let me say in conclusion, let St. Peter's speech bother you a little bit. I think that's really good for us. It does indeed go against many of our cultural prejudices. However, never use St. Peter's speech as an excuse to attack or belittle or exclude others. I think to move into that space, everybody, is the challenge that this wonderful reading gives to us. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.